Theology of the Body Institute, this is the Ask Christopher West Podcast. Hi, podcast listeners. I am so excited to welcome you to this episode of the Ask Christopher West Podcast. And I am very honored today um, because I have sitting across from me, Jen Settle of the Theology of the Body Institute, who has so graciously agreed to be on our podcast episode this week. Christopher is currently teaching Theology of the Body, a level one course, and as a result, not available to record. And I think it's just God's way of giving a special gift to all our listeners of the wisdom and joy that um, Jen is going to share with you about her special journey with Theology of the Body, her work in the body of Christ. So this is an exciting time. Can you just yes. say hello? Hello, all you listeners. Hello, Wendy. <laughs> so great to be here. And uh, the misfortune of, of Christopher teaching is my fortune yeah. to be able to be with you um, today and to be here with your listeners and to share. Before I ask some questions of Jen Settle. Um, I just want to share with our listeners that um, we are looking forward so much to a very special pilgrimage coming up with the Institute in December, a pilgrimage to Mexico City and the Shrine of Our Lady of Guadalupe. And so I just want to remind our listeners about that. If you've been thinking about registering for that, please check the link below uh, to learn more about it. Um, Jen, you have first of all, been working for many years with Theology of the Body Institute. And so many of our listeners have encountered you, especially if they've come to courses that the Institute puts on or to like a virtual conference. They may have heard you speaking there. Um, you've been a book author and a speaker at many locations. So I know many of our listeners do know you, but many don't. Mm -hmm. So some are meeting you for the first time through this episode. Um, and I'd just love for you to share just some initial thoughts about your own journey in life and ministry, uh, some some of the key moments of mm -hmm. your journey for our uh, listeners to get an introduction to mm -hmm. how the Lord's been at work in your life. Thank you, Wendy. Yes, I would love to share with the with your listeners. You know, I have been at the Institute for 13 years. Wow. I know it's, <laughs> it doesn't seem possible, <laughs> but 13 years um, and a lot has changed in my life and a lot had to change in order for me to even be here. That's right. Um, for me, I, I grew up in Iowa. I was working in parish ministry. I mm. uh, have undergrad and master's degree in theology, but I'd never heard of Theology of the Body until someone asked me, do you know, have you heard of Theology of the Body? Uh -huh. Like that, I don't even know what those things mean. You put mm. words together that right. I don't understand what they are. And uh, they asked, do you know Christopher West? And this was in 2002. Mm -hmm. And I said, I have no idea who that is. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh, it just so happened that Christopher was going to be in Omaha, Nebraska, three days later, oh after goodness. that initial conversation, and I heard about it. So I went to see wow. what it what who he was and what this theology of the body was. And, and so I sat there in a parish in Omaha, Nebraska. Mm -hmm. And Everything I knew about my faith, everything I'd learned about my faith, all the ways that I'd practiced my faith, all were these like separate puzzle pieces. Mm. And theology of the body was 
the theology that brought all of those pieces together yeah. and connected so many things about the faith that I'd never connected before mm. and things that I had seen in, in the talk that I'd never seen before. And so I knew sitting in that parish that the Lord was calling me to give my life to theology of the body in some way. Wow. And I had no idea what that meant. Yeah. Um, but I knew at the core of my being that I needed it for me first. And so I spent a couple of years really just diving into everything I could read, everything that I could listen to, to really bring that into my heart and my life and my woundedness and places that needed deep healing in my in my own life. Uh, and then I invited Christopher to come to our diocese to give a talk. And um, it was just life changing for so many people. And that's what really um, propelled me to be able to go and speak and you know, and talk on theology of the body and share my experience with people all over the Midwest. And then a few years later, uh, Christopher encouraged me to apply for a job at the Institute. Yes. And so I moved from Iowa, where my family was, yes. to all the way to Philadelphia, and I knew no one but him. Oh. <laughs> so that was a big leap of faith, but the Lord made it abundantly clear mm -hmm. that that's where I was meant to be. So learning TOB for the first time, having my job here at the Institute. And really over all of these years, I've attended over a hundred yeah. week long courses and being immersed really in theology of the body. But I could say probably the most life changing thing for me was as I came to the Institute of desiring marriage and family as my vocation, mm. but really coming to understand through theology of the body an openness to the vocation that the Lord was really calling me to, which was a consecrated virginity. And so learning the theology of the body, learning and diving deep into my intimate relationship with the Lord and sort of taking my hands off of my vocation mm. that I was like so determined that it was going to be, right. you know, marriage and family. But to really be in that posture, that Marian posture of receiving my vocation from the Lord mm -hmm. and desiring him to lead me to my vocation instead of me pushing it or grasping for it. Yeah. So the theology of the body just really opened up that, you know, call for me um, to give my life to Jesus, to become his bride. Had you been aware of that form of religious vocation? When, when did you ever first hear of <laughs> the possibility of consecrated virginity. Yeah. Not, many people haven't heard of it, I guess. Right. So I'm wondering about you. And I hadn't heard of it until the first time I heard it. And I was actually at a priest's friend's ordination and his first mass. Uh -huh. And at his first mass, after receiving communion, I knelt down and sort of like had that experience of where like everything disappears and it's uh -huh. just you and Jesus. Yeah. And I heard in my heart two words, consecrated virginity. Wow. Those, that was literally the first time I'd heard those two words put together. Oh, my goodness. I never knew a consecrated virgin. I, you know, I knew consecrated that I'd seen in other, you know, religious communities. And obviously I knew what a virgin was, but I never yeah. like put those two words together. So I literally went home and Googled wow. consecrated virginity. Wow. And lo and behold, it was a vocation in the <laughs> church. And... Had you 
is this before studying theology of the body in the midst of in it. the midst of it okay it was in the midst of my time here at the institute mm-hmm. and really it was it was one of those aha moments of like the lord has guided this and and primarily because i felt a deep sense of peace when i heard those two words what an incredible way to hear something you know to right? feel that it's something coming into your heart from the lord directly yeah that's and and yet it's connection i just i'm thinking of the theology of the body connection you are just having received communion is that mm-hmm. what you were saying yes wow so he's given himself to you in his body and you're experiencing this kind of just a, a gift of peace and revelation all at yes. once mm-hmm. Wow. I had never heard that before, <laughs> listeners. So I'm genuine in my, you know, just excitement as as I'm sure many of our listeners are of just that the beautiful love of the Lord that you experienced in that yeah. moment. Oh, for sure. And and really the the times of thinking about and praying about marriage and family life, I always felt like it was something that I was it was a puzzle piece I was trying to fit that didn't fit. Mm. And when I started to really read about the vocation to consecrated virginity, it was like, this is where I fit. Like that was, that was the sentiment of my heart Yeah. of this is where I'm meant to be wow. and, and experiencing that peace that I, I wouldn't, I mean, the Lord can use everything to find, to call us to our vocation. He just happened to use the theology of the body mm. to, to call me to mine mm-hmm. and being able to understand the spousal meaning of the body and that spousal bridal relationship yeah. with the Lord in a deeper way yeah. than I had before. Yeah. Was that one of the things in Theology of the Body that spoke to you in a particular way? And can you say a little yeah. more about that? So, you know, the spousal meaning of the body to be a gift and to be fruitful. Mm-hmm. And so when I started to learn the Theology of the Body and that concept, in my mind, I thought, okay, I'm going to learn this. So when I'm married, right. I'll live that. Yes. And then it was like the Lord teaching me through kind of Alexio Divina of, mm-hmm. of with T.O.B. of, no, I'm called to that right now. Mm. I'm called in my femininity and my person to mm-hmm. be a gift and to be fruitful. So I started intentionally living that as a single person. Yes, I can relate to that. That is so powerful. It's not not something out there for someday. It's, it's here and now. It's right now. And I started to see how that affected my relationships with other people and, and how my world just opened up and, and welcomed other people into my life that mm. I, I was so focused on getting married and having <laughs> children that I wasn't open to receiving all of these other people into my life. Wow. And so living that as a single person opened that up and opened my heart to consecrated virginity. Having been doing this podcast with Christopher for uh, a while now, I've noticed that often what kind of propels people to reach out to us with a question is that they're going through a struggle or suffering in their lives, and they're they're wondering, does theology of the body offer something that will help me find the way, you know, through a dark time in my life? And so we're we're so honored to hear from listeners about some very difficult times that they're going through and to prayerfully try to share the insights from Theology of the Body that might help mm-hmm. them. Can you relate to going through a dark time and, and looking for help and finding help in Theology of the Body? 
Yes, for sure. I, you know, my both of my parents have um, passed away, and my dad passed away about eight years ago, and that was a really dif- that was really the first like time in my life where I felt just up such a depth of grief mm. um, that I didn't know what to do with or how to handle or how to process or how that would change my life and my heart and what did it mean and who am I and all of those questions. Um, One of the things in particular that I have a key memory of in praising God for theology of the body in the midst of that grief was uh, the morning of my father's funeral. Mm -hmm. And, you know, before the funeral mass began, it was the last viewing of the family of, of his body. Right. And I remember uh, kneeling before his casket and feeling this anger, like coming up in my heart. Mm. It wasn't an anger towards my father. wasn't an anger towards God. It was like a cosmic anger. Wow. Of like, this is not how it's supposed to be. Yeah. Our bodies and our souls are meant to be united together forever. Yeah. And it just brought that aspect of theology of the body into Mm -hmm. a new light for me, a personal light for me. And I took actual consolation from that because then the next step was joy of like his body will be reunited with his soul again forever. And I will encounter that. Mm. This is not the end. This is not the last time I will see my father, his body. that I will see him glorified and like just the joy that that brought to my heart. And just in the last year, last summer, my mom passed away and I was praise God, be able to be with her Mm -hmm. in those last um, days of her life and really entering into, um, I was able to, by the grace of God to give her communion. Mm. Um, and it was literally the last morsel of food that she ate. Wow. Um, and a day and a half later she passed away and it was just her and I Mm -hmm. in her room. Mm -hmm. And just that encounter with my mother who gave life to me and that I was able to give her communion, to give her Mm. that life, that, that life that the Eucharist, that the body of Christ is now in her as she makes her final journey back to the father and such joy in my heart that I got to experience that. Then, then because she could only receive a morsel, I was able to receive the rest. Yeah. And being in union and communion with my mother in, in her last days and also being in union and communion with the Lord um, just gave me this deep sense of joy. Mm-hmm. And also this acknowledgement of when she did pass, seeing her body moments after she passed and this realization that all of my brothers and sisters, there's nine of us, Mm. all of us took form inside of her body. Yes. And And just the honor of that. Right. That welled up in my heart of like honoring her body because we grew inside of her. Yeah. I can so relate to that, Jen. I, I too have experienced those similar losses. I've lost both my parents. Um, and I remember specifically when my mother was dying, how, how precious her 
warm body was yes. to me in those last days. Mm-hmm. Almost like tapped into having been her little baby yes. and her little girl mm-hmm. um, and the depth of that bond yes. and um, the the sense of kind of receiving ministry and goodness through her body yes um and how beautiful it is to realize that's god's plan and that he wants us to be ministered to by his body and that that as we live out our vocations our mothers both had the vocation to be Mm -hmm. mothers how we are really transferring grace in the world physically do you find that now as a consecrated virgin, do you have a sense of your physical gift to others and how do you yes. experience that? No, one of the the beautiful calls of femininity in general mm-hmm. is to be a mother. Mm-hmm. And so I live out my femininity in a particular way through my spiritual motherhood that we're all called to as women, but um, in a particular way when I, with my spiritual children, even though they didn't live inside of my body, mm-hmm. they absolutely reside inside my heart. Mm. So there is this place inside of me, I didn't give birth to them, but in so many moments of their life and their journey where they have these transformations that the Lord shows me, they are being reformed mm. in me. Even though I didn't form them inside my womb, Yes. They are being reformed by my love, by my gesture of hugging them mm-hmm. or being present to them, physically present to them. That they are being their hearts, their person, their body is being reformed um, inside of me. Hmm. That is a beautiful image. I, I've never heard anyone put it quite that way before. And yet it is probably an aspect of many relationships that... Yes that we have taken people in our hearts, whether they're physical children, men as well have a powerful impact on the lives of others when they're in tune with God's gift of their Mm -hmm. masculinity and able to bring grace to others through that being in touch with the Lord's love for them and purpose in making them to be men. Mm -hmm. Do you find because I know you could just continue as a consecrated virgin to be um, in continual ministry. Yes. Not that you don't take an occasional vacation, yes. as we all need, <laughs> but you know the Lord has given you so many opportunities to be in ministry. And I just wonder, is there a particular light that the Lord has called you to shine in the world that you just find joy in residing mm-hmm. in that? Mm-hmm. You know? You know, it's funny, it was, it was, that light was brought to light actually in my discernment when mm-hmm. I first read about consecrated virginity. Um, obviously, the, the first promise that a consecrated virgin makes is to be a perpetual virgin. Mm-hmm. And there's a secondary charism of intercessory prayer and spiritual motherhood for priests. Wow. And so when I read that, it was like, oh my goodness, my life makes sense in so many ways of I had had friends for a long time who were priests and Mm -hmm. that I would pray for them and felt this deep, deep um, call and longing from the Lord to pray for them, to sacrifice for Mm -hmm. them, to be present to them, to be um, that feminine presence in a healthy, chaste way, like to love them as their sister, Mm -hmm. you know, to to love them 
uh, for who they are and to encourage them and, and bolster them and, in, in their in their priesthood. And so I didn't understand why the Lord gave me that. And, um, you know, there can be masters of suspicion in a certain sense who kind of look at that and don't understand mm-hmm. or call that into question or, or see that as odd because they don't see that in their own life or don't have that mm-hmm. that calling. But when I understood that that was part of the consecration, consecrated virginity, the charism, it made so much sense in my heart. And yes. just like that was part of the thing where it's like I fit here. Yes. This is my heart. The Lord has fashioned my heart in a particular way um, to pray for priests to intercede, to sacrifice for them, and to be a sister and encourager. I think I've heard in other people's vocation stories as well a certain kind of sense of, yes, this is already in me. Like mm-hmm. like learning about a vocation and feeling this corresponds to something I already yes. know in myself. Um, have I, It sounds to me like you've also encountered people, you know, sharing that with you in their own yes. story of, of their vocation. Absolutely. And that's the beauty of the many facets of the Lord of like, mm-hmm. he calls so many people to so many different things yeah. that needs that people have need that the world has, yeah. you know, needs that we can make up for ways that are lacking in people's lives, that we can be present to each other, that we can help each other heal and grow and please God be in heaven for yes. all eternity together. Um, so that for me was the, the greatest light and it's something that I, I take very seriously in, in my life, that um, dedicated times of prayer for priests, encouraging mm-hmm. others to pray for priests, mm-hmm. you know, as well. I have many spiritual sons who are in the seminary as well. Mm-hmm. So being able to um, be present to them and send them care packages and wow. all sorts of things to just be present, but to be available. Um, and I feel like the ways that they have responded to that, that that is a light in the church and a light in the world mm. that I'm so humbled that the Lord has called me to that particular charism. When um, Christopher and I were dating, I remember a very specific moment where um, just recognizing that I had the feeling that something in me was made to love this man. Mm-hmm. And I did not feel fully equipped by any means. I didn't think, oh, yeah, I can handle this guy. <laughs> In fact, I wasn't sure I could. He's kind of intense. <laughs> I had to also cry out to the Lord and still do on many occasions mm-hmm. to help me. And yet there was that sense of like deep inside, I feel like prepared for this. Like it's not an, oh, I don't know. It's like a yes, I know. Yeah. And I think that that was just so helpful for me throughout the process of saying yes to my vocation and then of living it as that sense that God made me for this. Yes. Do you know that quote is just coming to me from Joan of Arc, who had a very special mission in the yes. church, um, a very beautiful mission that she said once, I'm not afraid. I was born to do this. Mm-hmm. I think that sense of a deep, sense of God's purpose for our Mm -hmm. lives is something that many people come to in reading and studying theology of the body, that 
your image of puzzle pieces making sense. I think many people find that, ah, uh, yes, mm -hmm. I, I, there's something I know to be true here. And I think it's so rewarding to be in this ministry where you can share that with people and, and just have that, um, there's so much fruit, good fruit that can come from yes. that. So we're so blessed. So blessed. Yeah. One of our listeners recently asked, um, sent in a question. So this is the, the question I mm -hmm. have to you, for you today from a listener. Um, an anonymous listener asked, how should a woman deal with feelings of attraction toward a priest? And I thought, here you are, you know, a light to the world in the sense of your special relationships that you have had with priests. But I think, you know, this... I don't know whether this listener who asks this is single or married, but I wonder if you have any mm -hmm. thoughts for her. I do. It's, you know, it's a, it's a very vulnerable question to ask. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I just want to affirm the listener in, in her courage mm -hmm. um, to, to, to ask the question and to really bring that to light. Um, you know, the first thing that I, that I thought of is that, you know, any person who lives their vocation in the light of Christ in, in an ordered, holy way, their vocation is meant to be attractive. Mm. So a married couple like you and Christopher mm -hmm. who live as you are able to do with God's grace to live your marriage rightly is attractive mm -hmm. to people. Uh, if I please God with a lot of grace, live my vocation as a light, and, and there's goodness and holiness there and fruitfulness there, I pray that people are attracted yes. to this vocation. And the same with priests. If priests are living their priesthood in a way that is a shining light, they are in persona Christi. Mm. They're in the person of Christ. So we are meant to see Christ in their priesthood mm -hmm. and through their priesthood. And so I just want to say, first of all, like, it's okay to have that attraction to the priesthood, mm -hmm. <laughs> to a priest who is living out his priesthood in an ordered right way that he's really witnessing to the love and mercy of Christ. It's meant to be attractive. Mm -hmm. So there's that sort of rightly ordered attraction. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, and it's because we're drawn to people who are, who are living a life of holiness and living a life of grace and, living in a way that's like, I want what they have. <laughs> like, yeah. I wish that I had that peace or that kindness or however they're living their life. And so as a Christian, we should all be attractive. Yes. We, because please God that they're seeing Christ in me. So the attraction initially, hopefully in an ordered way, we're being attracted to Christ. And so I just want to like start with that mm -hmm. in the in the sense of like, is the attraction and listener can ask herself in this um, in her prayer with the Lord. Yeah, is my attraction that I'm seeing Christ in mm. and through this priest, mm -hmm. and I'm really drawn to Christ in Him, and praise yes. God, because that means that He's living His His priesthood in a beautiful way, because that's what He's meant to do. Yeah. So there's that beautiful aspect, normal mm -hmm. <laughs> aspect of that. Um, the part, the next part in terms of if the listener finds herself 
um, moving away from glorifying God and giving praise to God for this priest who is witnessing Jesus to her to become more inward facing of I'm receiving so much from him. I'm starting to have attraction to him and desire for him Mm -hmm. that is outside of the dignity of the priesthood and his vocation and her dignity, um, whether she's single or she's married, Mm -hmm. um, that's where the attraction can become disordered, can um, take us away from that um, good attraction and become more of a selfish attraction. So that would be a discernment on her part and honesty with the Lord um, of what is that attraction? Is it really that I'm just attracted to him because of he is Christ? Mm-hmm. He's witnessing Christ. Or am I turning that attraction in on myself that it's becoming uh, disordered, that's becoming a selfish um, attraction? Yeah. I think some of us wonder, well, how? what do I do if I see that the desires are selfish, that I'm mm-hmm. looking for this human person who's a priest to somehow meet a need in mm-hmm. me or something. What, yeah. do you, what would you say? I would say, first of all, to, you know, have an examination of conscience in, in the sense of like, have I lusted after him? Have I, how far have I taken that attraction? Mm-hmm. And is it a place where I've taken it so far that I need the sacrament of confession? I need the grace mm-hmm. um, of the sacrament of confession to really just bring all of that to the light to bring it to the God without shame, <laughs> like mm-hmm. to be able to bring it to, um, you know, in this confessional, I would suggest it be not, not with that the priest, priest. <laughs> right. um, that you're attracted to, <laughs> right. to have another priest to be able to, to express uh, that, that, ex- that attraction and that desire, how you've gone too far with it. And with that grace of, of the sacrament, to be able to, in your prayer with the Lord, um, first of all, to enter into a place of gratitude for that priest. Mm. Thank you, God, for the gift of Father Bill. Mm-hmm. Father Bill is such a light in in my own life that is very dark in this moment. He, I know that he brings you into my life. Thank you, God, for the gift of his priesthood. Protect his priesthood. Be in this place of gratitude Mm-hmm. for him, for for uh, the priest. And then also surrender to the Father, like whatever the disordered desire is. Mm-hmm. To say like, Lord, I, I really struggle with this aspect of the attraction, that I, I struggle to see him rightly. Lord, help come into that place where I, I don't know how to see him rightly. I desire to. Mm-hmm. And really surrender that to him. And lastly, to pray for that priest, to be in that yes. place of praying for his priesthood, praying for Father Bill's priesthood to be fruitful, yes. for him to be holy, for him to continue to be the light of Christ in the world. So to be able to unpack all of that, to be able to pray, to be able to enter into the sacrament of confession, and to be able to then pray in gratitude for the gift of of this priest. I think that's so powerful. I, you know, we could be so in the world be saying, Oh Lord, why did you create him? He's just a temptation or, you know, like mm-hmm. there's, there's just something so beautiful about encountering the gospel and how it just turns us to what's 
most deep and real and true mm -hmm. and beautiful, which yeah. is to recognize this is a beautiful person, a gift, and not to have that kind of worldly mentality of just, oh, I wish, you know, there were no attractive right. priests or, you know, that right. kind of thing. That's not the Lord's heart. No. Um, so that he's changing our hearts. And that's what prayer is doing, yes. that when we are just so honest, as you're describing, so honest and vulnerable mm -hmm. before the Lord about where we are, not mm -hmm. not trying to impress him, like, oh, no. I, all my <laughs> thoughts are holy, God, you know, he yeah. knows he they're knows. not, yeah. we don't have to try to trick him. So, right. you know, if we just can come to that, you know, thank the Lord, even if this attraction is the opportunity, maybe for the first time to really be that honest with the Lord, that mm -hmm. that also has a great fruit in our lives. Absolutely. So um, thank you so much. Thank you for your, your witness and your gift. I'm so grateful for you, Jen. I, did I meet you when you came to work for the Institute? I feel like that's, that's yes. about the time. Yeah, yes. I feel like I can picture us talking in Black Rock Retreat Center yes. where so many of our courses are taught. Mm -hmm. I remember just, I, I can tell you it's 13 years because our daughter is 13 years exactly. old who was a baby when you came. Yes. Um, and such a gift always in my life. Mm -hmm. And I want to just remind you and all our listeners that you are an indispensable, irreplaceable, unrepeatable gift of life and love. And to all our listeners, become what you are. Ask Christopher West is brought to you by the Theology of the Body Institute, with music by Mike Mangione. Christopher and Wendy hope that the information provided is helpful to you, but remind you that they are not licensed counselors. If you are going through serious difficulty, a list of trusted counselors and psychologists can be found in the show notes.